Hello, and welcome to Talman Talks, a KSB podcast focused on highlighting the great things happening in the world of education in Kansas. In each episode of Talman Talks, we'll delve into the triumphs, challenges, and innovative ideas that are shaping the educational landscape across our state. We'll sit down with hosts Mark Talman and Scott Rothschild and the occasional guest to hear how Kansas education is making a difference, one classroom at a time. Now that now that we've started another school year and the next legislative session is right around the bend, believe it or not, uh, now may be a good time to talk about school funding in general. So every year, and you've been around a while and I've been around a while, uh, every year on the campaign trail and in the legislature, there are some who will complain about how much Kansas spends on public schools as it relates to the rest of the state budget. First off, as a percentage of the state budget, public education is the largest investment, isn't it? It is. uh, And and in fact, education in general is the largest share of the state budget. Um, And Scott, I hate to I hate to do this to you and to our our listeners, but we might want to just make a little bit of a clarification of terms here. What many people talk about uh, and, and what usually gets focused on the legislature is what is called the state general fund budget, because that is what legislatures really have the most control over. So when you pay your sales tax on a loaf of bread or when you pay your income tax every year, most of that money goes into what's called the state general fund and they and the legislature appropriates out of that. But it is important to understand that under Kansas's funding system, all money that comes through the state has to be appropriated and it goes through what's called the all funds budget. And the distinction here, let me give you an example. Kansas spends some money on, let's say, social service programs um, through the state general fund, but then many more dollars come through from the federal government that go to the state of Kansas and are appropriated but they don't go through the general fund. You, they have, they're, they're kept separately for accounting purposes. So the all funds budget is considerably, it's about $14 billion. The state, gen, no, I'm sorry, it's about $28 billion. I, I can pull some of this up if you want. The state general fund is about $9 billion now, I believe. Uh, and so when you're talking about how much of the budget goes to K-12 education, about half of the general fund budget goes to K-12 education. About 10 to 15% of the general fund budget goes to higher education. So that means education from kindergarten and probably earlier in some cases through higher education is about two thirds. About another, almost another third is what's called social services. And basically, that is what the state spends on um, on on its contribution uh, to to Medicaid, for example. All all the the social service programs where the state puts in dollars comes through that part of it. And then there's a a small part of the budget which is called public safety, and that goes basically to running the prison system, frankly. And everything else is a very, very small share of the budget or is funded through the all funds budget. So another example, highways. When I started for KASB, 
uh, a fair amount of funding went through the state general fund to support highways. Most of that has now been moved out. And so like your fuel tax, and for that matter, a portion of the sales tax goes to fund highways, but it's separated. All right. So I'm only saying that this is, again, what drives people crazy when you say, well, how much of our budget goes to education? The really technical first question you have to ask is, well, which budget are you talking about? Most <laughs> people talk about the general fund budget because that's really where the legislature has the most control. And it's about 50 percent. Everything about state government is very uh, complicated, isn't it? It is. Um, so so K through 12 funding takes up about half of the state general fund budget. Right. And so you have looked at this. Has this percentage fluctuated over the years? And, and where is it now? You know, Scott, so again, not to give my history, but first big thing I was involved in with KASB in the early 90s was passage of a new school finance law that replaced what had been called the School District Equalization Act. Before that time, a majority of school funding came from local sources, mainly property tax. And people didn't like property taxes any more back then than they do now. And without going into a whole lot of history, there was a, a big controversy in the legislature over property taxes. And by the way, there was a school finance lawsuit, which frankly had most to do with school district property taxes. It really wasn't about level of educational spending or quality of education. It was about some districts simply had much, much higher property taxes as board education. So in 1992, the legislature passed a law that significantly increased state funding, which did increase education funding, but a large portion of those new dollars were used to reduce local property taxes. So from about 1975 to 1994, K-12 education had about 40% of the general fund budget. Over the next year or two, that jumped up to 50% because the legislature was basically saying, we will assume a larger share of education from income and property taxes to reduce, or I'm sorry, from income and sales taxes to reduce property taxes. And since that time, we have really stayed. So basically since 1994, we have rarely been more than 2% higher than 50%, or lower than 50%. Uh, it has gone up and down a little bit, but, but, the, but the bottom line is we have really stayed in that range. And in fact, the reason I posted this blog uh, is because it appears that next year, and again, we're looking at what's been budgeted, not what is actually going to happen, uh, K-12 funding will be 48% of the budget, and that's the lowest it's been since 1997 when it was 47.3%. So, in fact, as we've gone through this period of adding money under Gannon, before that, adding money uh, for Montoy, the legislature has increased school funding, but it has not really increased the share of the budget going to K-12 education. The biggest exception was over the last few years, uh, that percentage spiked up to about 53, 54%, primarily because the legislature was adding a lot of money for CAPERS funding, which goes through K-12, but you know school districts have no control over it. 
that is kind of th those big increases have stopped. Uh, and because of, frankly, just some accounting shifts, all more detailed than what you want to know. The point is the narrative that we were going up for about a two year period, we did spike up. We have now spiked back down. And so having fully implemented the increases under Gannon and next year looking at the first year of the cost of living increase, there have been worries that doing that would just suck everything out of the state general fund budget. And we, in fact, are projected to have the, the smallest share of the budget, general fund budget going to education in about 25 years after, after all that is said and done. Well, and not only has it not sucked out all the money from the state budget, and it has gone down to its lowest level, we have a record budget surplus. So I think those folks who are saying, you know, this is going to break the budget, at least in the near term, uh, have just been uh, proven wrong. Um, well, and Scott, frankly, that and that's another reason why uh, the the, uh, the the share has gone down is because not only have we had that surplus, we've also had the ability, the legislature has been able to put more dollars into other programs as well as a result of that. So when the legislature made the commitment to Gannon, it kind of said, well, this is what you're going to get. But as we know, the legislature has not really gone above that. And that, you know, the, the other big funding pot out there of special education state aid you know, under Gannon, well, so there's kind of these two conflicting things, as many of our listeners will know. We have a state law that says the legislature should fund 92% of the special education formula. They're not doing that, and there's really no way to enforce that. Instead, the legislature has been adding relatively small amounts as a result of Gannon, um, and, and, that, and so that gap of what we're not funding has grown, even though Gannon has been fully funded, special education has not. And in fact, the calculation we looked at is if the legislature was fully funding special ed, as you say, it, it certainly would not be a hardship at the moment because of the surplus. It wouldn't even move us back over that 50%. You know, we're far enough down now and those dollars in the, in the scheme of things are such that even fully funding special education would not cause a big spike up above 50%. Well, I think that's an important point when we uh, start the next legislative session, uh, because there have been some that have said, you know, if we, if we do fund uh, the 92%, we're looking at, again, you know, breaking the bank. And apparently uh, that is just not the case, at least in, in the, uh, in the near term. Um. Well, another part of the equation is the amount of money Kansans pay in taxes, both at the local and state level. Last session, there was an attempt to cut taxes drastically. Uh, there will be more attempts to do that this session. And I think most of us will agree no one wants to pay more taxes than they should. But is there anything that we as advocates for public schools should inform the public when it comes uh, to these tax cuts when they are brought up before the legislature again? Well, I think one simple way of looking at it is, so let us let us acknowledge that with some minor ups and downs for almost 30 years now, K-12 education has taken about 50% of that budget. But of course, that, re that raises the question, 50% of what? And so if the legislature were to reduce taxes and reduce revenue coming in, while in the short term, 
there is a surplus, as as most of us probably know from from uh, uh, our own personal finances or a school district finance. If you spend a surplus, you're spending down one-time money, you, you see, right? In other words, if you say, well, okay, we've got I've got this savings over here. I'm going to use that as a down payment on the car. But then you also better have the money to continue to make that car payment or you're going to be quickly in trouble. And I think that would be the experience that we have had with tax cuts in the past is that what the legislature did is by lowering those revenues, it simply means the state budget is grows less. From the taxpayer view, that sounds great. But if that means there's fewer dollars coming in, then the state doesn't have as much to put into programs like education and everything else. And so the challenge then becomes, again, as we really have gone through over the last uh, decade at least, if you significantly reduce revenues coming in, then you either have to kind of proportionately decrease the growth, if not cut K through 12, or then K-12 will take a bigger share of the budget, right? I mean, a way of thinking about it is if you want K-12 to simply grow at the rate of inflation, which is what's now kind of supposed to happen in the base, right? I mean, that was the whole part of the Gannon settlement is to say going forward, the base will automatically grow up at the, at the, at the rate of the Midwest Consumer Price Index, okay? Well, if we cut taxes to a point that state revenues grow less than inflation or other required costs that might be out there, then if K-12 continues to grow at that level, it will take over more of the budget. Or again, to avoid that impact on the rest of the budget, we're going to have to walk back away from that commitment to keep pace with inflation. And as I think we've seen over the last few years, when school budgets don't keep up with inflation, they really only have two choices. You cut programs that are you know kind of discreet. We're not gonna we're not gonna have this counselor. We're not gonna have this librarian. We're gonna our class sizes get bigger, and or you're limited in the salary increases and benefits that you can give, which makes uh, working in school districts as teachers and support staff less appealing, less competitive with other jobs. And that, of course, is exactly what we went through before the legislature began responding to that with Gannon funding. So I think all this uh, information about how we fund K through 12 schools and what percent of the budget it is, I think is very important for us as advocates. But the most important thing I think is, is what is to note how this is paying off in our school system. So we have discussed this before in previous podcasts, but your, your research has found that Kansas public schools are improving in many ways. And, and I thought just to close out, maybe you could just kind of describe some of those uh, improvements that we've seen over the past few years. Well, I think it's it's always important to, to note when you're talking about educational outcomes, there are some things you see immediately. Maybe a test score can measure that. There's some things that are a little longer term. We have an annual graduation rate, but clearly, you know, that is sort of the culmination of the experiences of a student. And then we have even longer term educational outcomes. Do you go on to college? Do you are you well employed? Do you do you, do you earn you know certificates for jobs that might uh, require them? So I think what we've seen is that always important to remember that in the long term, Kansas educational attainment at every level is at an all time high. So uh, as, as is true in most states, as is true nationally, 
short term, we've had some challenges. And many of these challenges began the last time we went through major budget cuts followed by tax cuts. When budgets were cut, when programs were cut, when people were put, cut back on, that's precisely when we started to see declines in some areas, our, our state assessment rates, our ACT scores, we've seen some, we've seen dips there, no question about that. Now, we have continued to see growth in graduation rates. We've continued to see more kids earning post-secondary credentials in high school, shortly out of high school, and overall. So Kansas education levels, which equate to employment and earnings, have continued to rise. Um, so how, how have both of those things happened? I think one of the things to keep in mind is that while we've had these challenges academically, a lot of which, again, has had to do with things like COVID, which simply meant kids had less exposure, whether because the school was closed, whether because they were quarantined, whether because their teacher wasn't there that day, there was less educational time and support. So not surprisingly at all, in my view, that had a, an academic impact, but it also had a, an emotional impact. It had an impact on students' mental health, their ability to focus. What Kansas schools have done with the money that's come in under Gannon is both attempt to bolster you know, our academic support, but in many ways they've done that by adding more teachers and more aides, more interventionists to help a child who might be uh, struggling with academic issues. They've hired more counselors so that kids may have a better sense of what they want to do in a career as an adult. And that means if you're thinking about what I want to do and realize that that might take, you know, some additional learning beyond high school, then a child who doesn't have that might say, high school's enough. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to coast my last years in high school is suddenly saying, I better get serious. I better get the courses I need. I better get the help because I want to go on and do that. Those measures have gone up. So I think to some extent, some of the decline that we've seen, which was in part driven by some of the resource challenges we've had, districts have been able to offset some of that by some of the targeted interventions, the way they've used those dollars. And those are the things that have allowed us uh, to continue to show improvement in long-term educational attainment. I, I, my personal feeling is if we had not had those funding setbacks and that damage, we would be further ahead. We, you know, we we might we might rank higher. You know, we've talked talked in past podcasts about you know kind of where Kansas ranks. Some concerns about slippage still doing well. I believe there's evidence that we would be doing even better going forward. We have that same opportunity if we can do a better job of targeting resources um, of the of the dollars we're getting. And again. Hopefully the legislature, if the legislature simply commits to a period of time when the base will simply keep up with costs, when districts will know that, when they won't have to face uncertainty, rounds of budget cuts, you're taking money away, now you're trying to add it back, that kind of stability for planning, for targeting how we want to use those dollars, for putting in programs that can work in the long term, those are the things that will help us be successful. So I think that, you know, we've now gone through uh, the, excuse me, 
six-year phase-in of Gannon, where districts received increased funding every year. But remember, that followed an eight-year period of falling behind inflation. So we're, we're finally now getting around where we were over well over a decade ago. And if we can have that stability going forward, stability within the state budget, stability within revenue sources, I think that will help our districts continue to produce and improve uh, improve on our strong outcomes that we have now. Okay, well said, Mark. And, and thanks for all your, your work and research in this. I think it provides just great information for uh, public school advocates.